What up, what up, what up? <laughs> this is Sunday in the Park with your host, Adrian Dillahunt. Say hi to the people, Adrian. Hey to the people. How are you all this Sunday? I'm BJ Hall, and we are here to bring you local news and highlight some of our small businesses and community organizations. This is week 34. Let's get it. Let's get it. Want to first give a special thanks to our, our guest for today. We have Sydney Chandler Monet from the podcast Perfect Timing. You see, you see what I did? I was trying to trying to put that little not that didn't work. No, okay. I'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> and delegate Edith Patterson from our sister county, um, Charles County in District 28. So thank you to both of them. They are loaded in the back backstage and I'm excited to interview them. Uh, once again, we wanna, wanna remind you all, if you have any comments, suggestions, please send them to sundayparksmc at gmail.com. sundayparksmc at gmail.com. Big shout out to the 7025 and my co-host, <laughs> who worked her tail off leading a team of, <laughs> of data experts at this point <laughs> um, with the HBCU College Fair. Adrian, can you tell us about that? Yes, absolutely. I want to get a, give a shout out again to our, our team. Um, we actually hosted the first, well, the ninth annual Southern Maryland HBCU College and Career Fair. That is, part, we're a partner with St. Mary's County Public Schools and St. Mary's Library. However, this year was the very first virtual uh, college fair. Um, that was, um, we did that on Friday, Friday, February, that's right, I'm good, my date's here, my day's all running. Friday, Friday February 25th. Um, we had close to 250 people registered, so that was pretty good. Um, you, We had um, over, I guess, 40 HBCUs, including our local colleges and our careers. We had the St. Mary's Sheriff's Department there, Fire and Rescue, St. Mary's Library, uh, Community Mediation Center, um, just to name a few, several um, um, 
um, instructors uh, from St. Mary's County Public Schools. Uh, we had CSM uh, that gave financial aid information. Um, so we just had so much going on and um, it was an overwhelming success. Actually, um, a, a great sampling of recruiters um, from the HBCUs did say this was one of the best uh, virtual college fairs that they had attended. Uh, and so we are very excited about that. Uh, and we're going to be looking to reimagine college fairs um, in the near future and how it will look for next year. And hopefully we will be physical, but I know we will still have a virtual component. So again, I want to thank um, our team for doing such a phenomenal job. Really, really, really good job. So I know about how late y'all were working on days. So um, thank you for your efforts. Uh, I'm sure that the kids will benefit from uh, all the time that you all spend setting that up. So good job. In the future, we do want to connect more with um, Charles County and Calvert County and our NAACPs mm. to be able to make this an effort that's a tri-county effort. Uh, HBCU College and Career Fair for our kids in the Southern um, region. Mm. Um, we want to Southern be Maryland. for our student, right? Southern Maryland, it's Southern Maryland. So we want to connect more in. So hopefully we'll be able to connect more in for next year as well. So that's good. Roger that. Yeah. SOMD. Yeah. All right. Uh, we also had an opportunity to launch our Get Out the Vax uh, campaign with the Health Department and the Minority Outreach Coalition. So, so excited about, about that campaign and, and hopefully we can close the gap between our current percentage uh, of vaccinated minorities and, um, and it, hopefully that, that percentage looks more like our population. Uh, so we, we definitely need to encourage more people to at least get an understanding of 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 what the vax vaccine the vaccination is, what it entails, and um, and all the side effects uh, and benefits uh, to the va vaccine. So we will be passing on that information from that campaign. So it'll definitely be streamed here on um, on Sunday in the park as we as we move forward. Uh, we have to highlight. Uh, was it? Let's take a, a a quick praise break. HB six five five. You know, you know that we've been pushing for. Um, we've, we've been working to. Um, we've been working with, to make sure that that our representation knows that that we are in support of House Bill six five five to make sure that our commissioner districts can elect their own commissioners. Um and and it passed through its second reading. I think it'll be up for its third reading early next week. So um that was a big step forward. Hopefully we'll clear that that final hurdle here in the near future and and we can have like screenshots of the signed bill and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to see that progress. Our COVID stats. To date, we have 5,869 uh, confirmed cases here in St. Mary's County. Uh, today, we have 114 deaths, uh, three occurring last week. Um, and we had 144 new cases last, last week. So this just emphasizes the importance of understanding your options uh, as far as the vaccine goes. So far, the county has um, administered uh, 16 
was 16,400, I mean, 16,646 dose one, dose one of the vaccination. And uh, for the those two numbers, we had 12,026. So we have a long way to go because we got about 115, maybe 120,000 people down here. So make sure that um, you you get all the information that you need to make uh, an educated decision on the vaccine. Black history nugget of the day. It's the last day of, of Black History Month and we wanna talk about a first. Uh, the first black student to integrate St. Mary's County Public Schools. Anybody know her name? Anybody wanna put her name in there? Huh? No? Adrian, you know her name? Yep, I do. Okay. Joan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to answer. I was just saying. Joan Groves, the first black student to integrate St. Mary's County Public Schools. Joan Groves. There you go. Uh, so, Joan Groves actually, they had, of course, they had to go to court because uh, St. Mary's County wasn't trying to integrate their, their schools voluntarily. We actually had a Robinson v. Board of Education down here in 1956 that was supposed to get our schools integrated in St. Mary's County, put in 31 applications for, um, at, for, for black students to join, uh, to integrate into white schools. Uh, 31 uh, black students were rejected. So we had to go to court again, say, hey, please take our kids. No, you gonna take our kids. We gonna make sure that you understand that it's illegal not to. So that's how we ended up at with, with William Groves filing a lawsuit to ensure that his uh, two kids had an opportunity to go to Great Mills, uh, Great Mills High School. So that was a very important time in St. Mary's County history. Shout out to Joan Groves. Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. So I think we are, if I'm going to, am I going too fast? I think we're ready for our first guest. Yes, ma'am, we are. Okay. And so before we uh, bring on our first guest, I wanted to say a little bit about um, who she is. Um, we have Sydney um, Ch Chandler Monet Collins, and she's 16 years old. She's an academic honor student and the recipient of the Presidential Scholarship in Leadership and Fine Arts, as well as the Jean D. Yamiki Senior Memorial Scholarship and the Fitzgerald Program uh, Award at St. Mary's Riken High School. And so she is a sophomore at St. Mary's Riken. She is a pr the proud philanthropist oh. of the international platform called Perfect Timing Podcast in Maryland where she reaches peers around the world and uh, aspires to encourage them to follow their dream, no matter the obstacles and challenges they may encounter. So without further ado, we'll bring up, there she is, Sydney <laughs> Chandler Monet. Hi, Sydney. Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> but, yes. um, I know that Yam Nikki scholarship is really hard to say sometimes. I was like, sound it out. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but we're, we're so proud to have you here. And I just want to tell a little background story. I actually heard about you. I think it was in August of 2020 
when I saw you on Channel 4 News, they did a, um, a, um, a quick story on you. It was a brief story. And I just so happened to be in my living room and it popped on and I was like, oh my gosh, she is amazing. And I really want her to connect in with us on uh, Sunday in the park. And so um, it's been a long time coming to kind of get you here. Uh, we had a lot of connections and we met with and connected with your mom, Yvette Collins, and, um, and we're here. And so we're just so um, happy to have you and just excited to hear more about who you are and the Perfect Timing broadcast. So who is Sydney? Um, you know, um, wait, you know what? Before you start, Sydney, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quote that um, and it's actually your quote. And it is was something that was on your page that I thought was really motivational. And uh, it starts off this way. Your dream is my dream. And my dream is your dream. We are in this together. We don't have the energy to tear each other down. Let's keep pulling each other up. The best way to predict your future is to create it. Gen Z, take your mark and lead the way. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I'm so glad. Yes, <laughs> yes. You. And so um, we'll talk a little bit more about who is Gen Z, because some of our audience may not know who Gen Z is. Um, but we want to know who you are and what's your story. Well, uh, my name is Cindy Tranlamone Collins. I am 16 years old. Uh, I have like three other, three older sisters, two younger brothers. Uh, you know, being a daughter, sister, friend, I'm always trying to be helpful, like the philanthropist that I am. I started this podcast in in like the mindset that I wanted to give back. It was kind of like a COVID project because um, I'm also a classical ballet dancer training. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So my day was just packed with hours of rehearsal or class or classes that I would have to attend. And then, you know, St. Mary's Riken is like a college preparatory school. So I'm either dancing or doing homework. So there was no in between. So <laughs> When that all stopped, when COVID came around, um, I was really doing nothing at home. And my mom was like, why don't you do something that gets back to the community, like a podcast? Um, I don't know if you know this show, uh, All American, that's like really popular right now. Um, my mom, she's obsessed with that show. Oh my goodness, she can go <laughs> on and on. But uh, one of the characters on that show, Olivia, she started the podcast. And she was like, you should do what Olivia does. And I'm like, okay why not and i wasn't too afraid because i i've been in leadership positions before you know i was mm -hmm. the secretary with my with st mary's Reagan, um student council for my freshman year uh i have a my own nonprofit organization live your future educated it was kind of like a book club that i started to promote education and like reading and everything that's important about it and mm -hmm. i've always just been at the front of that I, my mom pushed me to do that and it's just who I am as a person, which is really funny because when I was younger, you would not catch me doing this at all. I would bring my book, like when my mom, we would go to, to um, she's right next to me. That's why I keep looking over here. But, um, every time we'd go to like the store, like I remember like in Target, um, she'd be like, checking out and I'm just sitting here like reading and she was like, grab a bag. I'm like, oh, close my book and <laughs> leave at the store. But I've grown as a person and being able to get those social skills and everything like that. But like I said, 
this started as a quarantine project. My mom challenged me. She was like, you should do something that gives back to the community. And I was like, why not? Okay. So she asked me that in March. And then we started brainstorming ideas for like names and like April and May. And then we were referenced to this um, uh, organization and a company, Elite Conversations. And from there, it's just been blossoming. Like they made my podcast the way that it is. They wow. edited it and they made it sound so like professional. I was like, I have a podcast. Like I posted about it like on like my social media and I asked a couple of friends, I was like, if I started a podcast, would you listen to it? And of course everyone was like, yeah, of course I would. And then I posted the next day, I was like, well, I started one. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like, next day. And I was like, that was you know, like, I was like yeah. <laughs> and so getting that support was also really helpful as well and my first episode aired on uh, in June and it's it's almost March actually so yeah it's been a long it's been quite a few like months and it's so like surprising and like inspiring to me knowing that I was able to keep it going for so long and I was like because of course, like being an entrepreneur and like being a leader and doing this for free, I, not many people know I don't get paid to do my podcast unless I have a sponsorship of some sort, which is really hard to get. Mm -hmm. So I am doing this in support for my community. And we basically just talk about, you know, your inspirations, your initiatives, your dreams, goals, passions. I want to be able to give, especially my peers and youth my age, the opportunity to have a sit a seat at the table and speak on the mic about something that they're proud of and they think needs to be talked about more and i just want to be that outlet for them i want to be like their safety blanket and know that it's okay that your voice is here it's heard and i want to make sure that it's getting out there so i wanted to be that person for them and so i created this platform for them like my quote my yeah. dream is their dream so well you know it's I funny to do everything that i <laughs> I feel like that's where we're kindred spirits and that, um, again, you know, it, um, you know, the thought behind what we do is about the community. We want to give the community some exposure, small businesses and organizations in a way that they haven't been in the past, um, especially here in Southern Maryland. So um, I really think um, this platform, the perfect timing platform, is um, a great way for the youth to be able to speak out and speak up and have a voice. You know, and so either the way I see it is you're creating the voice, but you're also allowing them to cultivate their voice. Um, and some of them will get the inspiration from you to have their own podcast or something, you know, just a little bit similar, you know, that can help bring um, light to whatever they're doing. And I understand that this is worldwide. So how and how you know, how did it get to be worldwide? I mean, is it just from the platform you have or, you know, how did you get to that level? <laughs> Yeah. So like I said, like with elite conversations, like they did everything. All I had to do was find the guests and like, you know, talk about whatever it is that we wow. need to talk about. But they're the ones that like publish it. Uh, you can find it on their website, EliteConversations.com. You can find it under EC Life Talk Podcast or EC Life Talk Radio um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio and SoundCloud. And Wow. Every all my episodes get posted there every Monday at 2 p.m. So tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> so everything is posted there and they basically set it all up for me and it makes it available for as many people that want to watch it mm -hmm. or listen to what, it. What is the balance like for you? Because 
Um, for us, BJ and I, we actually um, <laughs> just started to, we, we were doing podcasts every weekend and we just um, switched it to every other because of, you know, just to make it a lot more manageable. And so what has the balance been like for you and school and, and the podcast and how are you faring with that? It was really like difficult at, at first because when we started it, it was summer and, you know, I didn't have anything to do. I did attend, uh, you know, like summer intensive for my dance, but I still found time to do my podcast. So I would record every Thursday morning at me, I think like 10 a.m. or something like that. And I did that like throughout the summer. And then I was like, wait a minute, I have to go to school. I attend school virtually, but I was like, I okay. How is this going to work? And so um, my school, we technically go to school like four days a week instead of like five. And then like Fridays are like the day that we can either contact teachers or like get some homework done and things like that. So I was like, oh, since I don't technically have to attend any classes on Friday, we might have just have to move that to Friday. So yeah. we did that. And and then I was like, I can't do an interview every single Friday, like my schedule would not be able to fit that. So we had to like stack, stack a few interviews. Like I'd have an interview from like 10 to 10.30, then one right after from 10.30 to 11. And then that would like get me set for like two weeks. And then sometimes if I wanted to, like I could do three in one day. So I'd be like, I could be off for three weeks if I wanted to, but that's kind of how I balance it. It allows me to have a bit of a break and time to do things like homework or just relax and or just figure out something else, figure something else to do and just be able to have that balance, I think has really helped me because I don't know if I would be able to do it every single Friday, but I record yeah. every Friday for the episode to be published on Monday. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, and that is another nugget for, for the youth um, or even, you know, some of our seasoned viewers, as I am a seasoned viewer, um, <laughs> to be able to think, you know, I could, I can do this. If she can do this, I can do this. Um, and, and actually it's, it's important. It's something that we need. Um, and so that's the motivator and the driver when we think about, you know, what the community needs that kind of helps uh, pick up the energy, um, for what you need, um, in organizing and keeping the balance. So tonight is the Golden Globe Awards. If anybody didn't know, however, what you should have been doing, you should have you should have been watching the Perfect Timing Podcast of the Year Award this morning. It's the first Perfect Timing Podcast Awards. I want you to tell us just a little bit about um, about the award and just a nugget about the entrepreneur, maybe one um, that you were uh, celebrating um, this morning in your award ceremony. Yeah. So. Um... We held it at this facility, a life journey in Waldorf, Maryland. It was uh, generously given to me or offered to me to have the event there. And I'm so grateful that they were able to give me that opportunity. And I think there were about maybe 20 of us in that building, you know, it was spaced out and everything COVID friendly. And I was able to like, they had a mic, I was ready. My mom had like set it up. I had my sister holding, you know, a camera off to the side so people virtually could see me. And, you know, I just celebrated the people that were in the top 50 of the Elite Conversations podcast of the year. Um, I'm actually their number two host. So, which was really wow. surprising because I was like, yeah, I was like, 
I made number two. There's, he has like 40 other hosts. I was like, oh my goodness. So I was That's so amazing. like excited. I was like, I want to recognize my guests as well. So I think 11 of my episodes made the top 50. Um, I think four of them, the top 25, and then another four in the top the top five, the top five. So that right. was really exciting. And I, I also recognize like three honorees that didn't necessarily make the top 50, but I still wanted to honor them. Um, I honored uh, Miss Julie Kent, who's actually, uh, she was one of the honors honorees. Um, she's the director of the Washington School of Ballet or the Washington Ballet. She's always been an inspiration of mine. She's so supportive and helpful. And she has she as a guest on my podcast she has brought so much attention so much more attention to it and her faith in me only wants me to continue so she was one of the guests that i had in that show but everyone else is just as important and just as special to me as she was and i was able to recognize them today and i'm glad that i was able to do that yeah what a great way to um recognize um the people who are most impacting your life and the lives and the uh, of the people in the community and so I think that was a really creative way uh, to do that. And we look forward um, to connecting and maybe we can, um, once I ask, how do we get in touch with you? Maybe we can go back and look at that episode. How um, can we uh, find you? Uh, what's the easiest way to find you is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Excuse okay. me, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Perfect Timing Youth Podcast and on Instagram at underscore Perfect Timing Podcast. Again, on Facebook, Perfect Timing Youth Podcast. On Instagram, underscore Perfect Timing Podcast. So you can find me on there or you can email me at perfecttimingexp at gmail.com. Uh, you know, just to reach out or if you would like to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you. You can email us there and my team will get you on and hopefully we can figure something out. Um, you can find me there uh, for for you to be able to uh, listen to my episodes. You can find, the, I think the easiest way people have found is going to the Elite Conversations website and then going to host and then you'll be able to find my podcast. That's my directory and then all my episodes are there. But uh, another way to listen is under EC Live Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. That's prop those are the other places that you can find me. And yeah, I think those are the fastest ways you can reach me. <laughs> awesome. And um, once we finish, if you don't mind putting that in our personal chat, and then I'll make sure that everybody gets that information so they can connect in with you. Um, but I want to say thank you so much. I mean, we could be here all day uh, <laughs> talking. And um, I, it's just was so well, well worth the wait to have you here. Um, and I hope we get to connect um, sometime soon. Um, you know, maybe you can come back on maybe sometime in the summer and kind of keep us up to date. Uh, and any information that you want to go out to the community, we are more than welcome to um, put that out on Sunday in the Park page as well. But um, that's it. And thank you very much. And if you want to stay, um, we do have our What You Sipping On segment. And if you want to stay for that, um, please stay. Um, but that's it. Thank you so much, Sydney. Thank you so much, Miss Adrian. Thank you, Mr. DJ Hall, for having me on this evening. Uh, Thank you again so much. Uh, I will be able, I will put my information in the chat. And again, just thank you both so much. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Thank, thank you, mom, Yvette. Thank, thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we need to get her back on here so she can give us some pointers. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be our mentor. Absolutely. <laughs> Number two. Okay, I see you. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Transitioning into our community community conversation. Um, this week we'll be uh, just want to highlight a couple things from the county commissioners uh, meeting from this past Tuesday. Um, this Tuesday, they put a pause on um, approving uh, future future uh, solar projects. It's just a temporary pause. Uh, it's in lieu of us uh, approving a new zone ordinance. So I know that there was a lot of discussion about about the 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 pause, especially uh, coming from our our partners over there at the Sierra Club. Um, and I totally understand. Um, I, I guess both both sides of the argument, if you will, uh, just because we, we're still trying to adjust our ordinance. So hopefully we can get that done, and, and we still have the same areas that qualify for the solar projects, and we move forward with the um, and, and we can move forward with some of the projects that were planned to be going uh, coming here in the near future. Also had an opportunity to look at um, our our capital improvement plan. Uh, if you have uh, <laughs> never taken a look at at that portion of our budget, which I'm sure that most people haven't, um, ran through it this, I was like, I took a skim through it um, and and noticed that we definitely had a couple of our, uh, well, a couple of a couple of points that for some of the major projects that that most of us pay attention to. One being FDR, uh, and the, uh, hopefully people have heard me rant about my issues about the, the scope creep on FDR. This year, they'll be taking a year off of construction, just gonna be purchasing the land they need to, to move forward on that project. Hopefully they, the land acquisition portion of that project will be done uh, by the end of, of fiscal year 2022. 20, so we can actually be finished with this 12 year road project. You think we were we were building another road up to Charles County? Unfortunately, we're just trying to get from the park to California. So, shout out, shout out to the 12, 12 year three mile road. Um, the community center, community center. Um, excited about that. The engineering for our community center is finally in the current fiscal year. Boom. Woo! Do your dance, do your dance. <laughs> All the hard work from the people on the community center steering committee. And we finally, finally, finally get some money on the books for engineering. I'm excited about that. Hopefully uh, we, we receive additional information from the team over at the YMCA so we can understand where um, we can understand a little, little more some of the, the specifics around it, but we got money for engineering, y'all. Well, not yet. They got to approve it. <laughs> we should have money. Yeah. Later on this year for engineering, so that's that's definitely something to celebrate. All right. We got a couple of comments coming in. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there was a really good conversation. If you if you don't have an opportunity to, I know I know everybody doesn't have time to do it, but 
um, a, a lot of our a lot of the conversations tied to um, uh, tied to the business handled by counties uh, are, are recorded on YouTube. And if you have time to take a a, a listen to some of the the major topics, um, or just get a summary on board docs at uh, stmarysmd.com. I mean, it's it's definitely worth a, a peruse, if you mm-hmm. will. So take a look at that so you can be a little more aware of, of some of the things that are happening um, here in the county. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of local politics. Yes. We have one of the delegates from Southern Maryland. Super excited to interview Delegate Edith Patterson. How you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing fine. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about being uh, sunny in the park and a, and a guest from your neighboring county. So thank you very much. I was really, really impressed with what I've seen. This is my first encounter, but the, the guests ahead of, uh, ahead of me really makes me feel very reassured about our youth and our future. Yes. So I applaud you for a very comprehensive program and thank you very much for thinking of us here in Charles County. Uh, I'm Edith Patterson. I represent District 28 uh, with the Charles County and I also serve as the chair for the delegation. Uh, This is my second term, seven years, four years first, completed three years this time. And um, although I represent Charles County, the 20th district, the legislation and votes that I'm required to place uh, encompass the entire state of Maryland. And so uh, when I think about the first four years, even the first six years, uh, as you can imagine, this year has been quite different. Everything is and so, BJ, I don't know if you want me to start, just start talking. Or- no, no. no. <laughs> well, well. First off, thank you for for the uh, for introducing yourself to our audience. Uh, we we kind of wanted to walk through uh, walk through your bio just a little bit so people can have a better understanding of okay. who you are. Um, understanding well, we know you started. Well, we don't know where are you from. Um, I was born in Doswell, Virginia. Mm-hmm. People know Doswell only from Kings Dominion. Um, and I went to school, uh, public school in, in uh, Hanover County, Virginia. Roger that. Um, and you actually studied biology and chemistry? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> science. I've always loved science. And uh, it was a natural inclination when I... Uh, I pursued a major at Virginia Union University. I wanted to follow through with that. My intention was to become a researcher. Oh. Or that was not God's plan for me. So I had to follow through with what was his plan versus mine. Okay. Okay. So his plan took you to Bowie, brought you from Virginia Union up here to Bowie? What happened after graduation um, from Virginia Union with a BS in biology and chemistry, it was really hard finding a job in research and, and uh, as a female. So although my male counterparts were able to get jobs, uh, it was more difficult for me. And my mother said, well, 
take the first job that comes along and it was teaching school in Washington, DC. And as a science person with no education, I decided to go back to school and get um, education certification. And in working with young people, I realized that I love counseling them, advising them. And so I uh, got an advanced degree master's at uh, Bowie State University and uh, was hired later on to uh, teach down here in Charles County. And then um, was I only taught one year and then was hired at the College of Southern Maryland uh, as an advisor. Nice. In that period, uh, I decided I wanted to learn more about higher education and its administration. Hence, went on to George Washington University and got and got, received a doctorate in education. So, so we do we call you Doctor Delegate or Delegate Doctor? Oh, well, okay. Well, um, <laughs> I think it doesn't matter. Some people still call me Doctor Patterson, Delegate Patterson. I just answered anything because I really feel in terms of my own uh, goals, uh, my goal was to earn the, the highest degree and I've done that. And um, I, I use it, try to use it to the best of my abilities. And certainly I've utilized it um, during my tenure um, at the college. And then of course, with Maryland Higher Education Commission as a board member, and then working, uh, serving on the House Ways and Means Committee with the Education Subcommittee. I've worked, I've used those, uh, that knowledge there as well. Yes, ma'am. So be before we get too deep into the politics, I always like to give somebody an opportunity to shout out their Greek organization. See, you're a, uh, a wonderful, was it sophisticated lady of... Absolutely. <laughs> Alpha Absolutely. Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I'm a proud member of Zeta Mega Chapter. Okay. Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. As well, a proud member of the Southern Maryland Chain Chapter, the Lynx Incorporated, of which Adrian's mom is the founder and the organizer and first of this great uh, Lynx organization. Is that right? Oh, we we we, yes. we need to talk to it. Yeah. <laughs> we we had to get her on here so she could talk about founding that, um, oh, founding the links down here. I'm excited about that. All right, and and you're also you're also a member of the NAACP, the seven zero one six. Yes, I'm a member of the Charles County branch of the NAACP, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, it's, I try to join organizations or be part of organizations where I can make a difference. Yes, because we can't be all things to everyone, but we can be committed to affecting change. Right. These are not, these are very serious times, very serious times. And so uh, one reason I'm glad to be with you this afternoon is to, to share. We cannot take a back seat. We must be advocates, we must respond to the call to action. Yes, ma'am. So you responded to the call to action in 2005, um, going into politics. Can you tell us how you transitioned into the world of politics? For 12 years, I served as a member, vice chair, and then chair of the Charles County Board of Education. And um, 
12 years is a long time. But I was also involved in other political arenas, working with um, the business professional women of Charles County to get, you know, your feet wet, the American Association of University of Women, and of course, with my church, a Metropolitan United Methodist Church. And during that period, I was also um, elected. When I got off the board, I ran for a Charles County Democratic Central Committee. Mm. And one of our responsibilities, the main one, is to, re- to get Democrats elected. Aside from that, it's also to fill vacancies. And during that time, 2005, was very transitional time. And so when you think about musical chairs, this is how it works. A delegate left the um, House of Delegates in Maryland General Assembly. So we replaced the chair, the president of the county commissioners. He then became a delegate. Mm. And the person who represented District 2 became president of the Charles County Board of Commissioners. And so there was a vacancy. Well, I lived in District 2, and the county was 360 years old, never had a minority, and only had had six women in the 300 plus years of its existence. Mm. I thought, well, wait, I'm qualified. I'm going to run for this. And so I recused myself from the selection process, although I didn't mm. have to, but I did, and um, created a portfolio of letters of support and credentials and was appointed by then Governor O'Malley to fill that vacancy in 2005. And so it was viewed as being historic. Well, it was historic. And then the following year, I was elected along with Ruben Collins as the first elected county commissioners of color or African-American in the county's history. And everything moved from that point on. I served for six years, uh, apparently raised a lot of pain <laughs> uh, was not reelected uh, because there was a. We were trying to promote. We promoted housing for mm. people, you know, um, dislocated. Well, not this, but fair housing opportunities, and that raised a ruckus. And so uh, there was a rally to say we're getting rid of all of you, and they wow. did. Well, you know, things happen. And we were uh, not reelected except for Commissioner Collins. And so during that time, I was then appointed by Governor O'Malley to serve the Maryland Higher Education Commission, which makes policy and accept, uh, certifies programs for all the colleges uh, and trade schools, et cetera, in the state of Maryland. A wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And and there was uh, then for the election, the following election came up for uh, members to run for House of Delegates. And I thought, well, uh, let me try it again. Let me try this time. And I was fortunate enough to win uh, the first, my first term, and then win re election this uh, past term. Well, so think about life and what God has for you. Mm. I don't worry about that too much because my whole thing is to be prepared, to lay the foundation. Mm. So when opportunities occur, you will be prepared to do whatever it is you're supposed to do. Well, I just want to take an opportunity to celebrate you during Black History Month as one of our firsts. So congratulations and thank you for being one of the first here in Southern Maryland. That's awesome. That is definitely awesome. Well, thank you.
Um, now you're you're I guess you're almost like a veteran now in uh, in the House of Delegates, um, but you're on the Ways and Means Committee, um, and you recently had to well had to had had the chance to to uh, see us well see well you probably saw a bunch of people from St. Mary's County um, present a bill that dealt with the yes man that de dealt with the commissioners. Uh, situation mm -hmm. down here in in St. Mary's County. Uh, can you tell us how how that 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 bill? Uh, well, I guess can you tell us about the process of the bill being presented uh, to your to your committee and 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 where we are now with with uh, House Bill six five five? I sure will, BJ. Thank you very much. The way it works uh, with any bill, uh, if a delegate or senator have an idea mm -hmm. and to sponsor it. Typically, they will work on the idea uh, the, the, before the session starts, whether it's in November, December, or whatever. And so House Bill 655 is sponsored by uh, Delegate Crosby, mm -hmm. who is the only Democratic uh, member of the St. Mary's delegation. And so I applaud him for his foresight and the fact that he's worked with the NAACP. So the bill was sent over and it came back, as, as I said before, as a single sponsor, meaning there, there are no co-sponsors. It was presented, we had a hearing in Ways and Means, which is my committee, uh, under um, this, the, um, by the sponsor, and in it, it included, because now everything is virtual, uh, letters and the persons who, who were writing the letters, and it also delineated whether or not the, the bill is favorable or favorable with amendments or unfavorable. Mm -hmm. And so it was very, very clear that um, the members from the counties, what happens is it's not just St. Mary's why, that they're creating um, commissioner districts. It's all the, I think, believe there are five districts that will have, that will be impacted. And so um, the counties that were being impacted sent letters uh, that were unfavorable to the modification or change. Uh, Charles County did not send a letter favorable, favorable or unfavorable and um, we had testimony from multiple citizens who were in favor of Janice Wildflower. Um, I bet you, you were there, you, you testified, and thank you for doing that, and then some others. But what has happened, it's almost, it's been on the floor on Friday. We had amendments, must have been about 13 amendments. Or uh, how many were there? 14. 14, 14. <laughs> and um, the amendments were primarily led by uh, members of the Republican Party that did not want this to occur, and um, that we stood firm, and the amendments were, we voted on them, and it will be heard this week, uh, third reader. Third reader means it's done. Uh, I believe that it will pass, and it has to go on the Senate side. So the, the work is not over because again, uh, when, there, when, when, when you're dealing with fairness and people sharing power, it's only one seat. Mm -hmm. But you're, what they're proposing 
and 655 is just to give fairness or voice in this in the district where there is none and um I, I, I'm just simply amazed. And the fact that they are skewing data, uh, Mark Fisher cited people who were long gone uh, who, and suggest that uh, they were so benevolent to African-Americans, but it's all misleading. And it's just uh, a ploy to get people not to understand and to say, well, they could be elected. No, they can't. They mm -hmm. And the and the five uh, commissioners know that, and they are keeping that power to themselves. So I applaud you. You have a lot of work to do. Um, once it passes, to make sure that that voters get out and pretty much what they did in Georgia and other places, voters mm -hmm. out. The young people registered, so you can make a difference. Yeah. Hey, for all this, uh, go through all this trouble and and not. Uh, reap the benefits on the other side of it. So we definitely have a lot of work to do to encourage people to participate in the, mm -hmm. uh, in the election process and, uh, once once we get this thing passed. And now I want to transition to some of some of the bills that you uh, some of the legislation that you presented this year. Your Purple Star uh, <laughs> School Program. I mean, I, I thought that was cool because I'm a, I'm a veteran. So can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, bills are sometimes given to you, fall into your lap or whatever. So there's no there's no mystery behind how some people get bills and others. But the Purple Star School is a wonderful opportunity for uh, school districts to identify their schools that are really attuned to the needs of military families. These families oftentimes are moved two and four times, you know, every two or every four years. and. Right. And the students have to move as well. And so the Purple Star School designation simply means that you have uh, a, you have met certain criteria, that you have a liaison, you have a counselor, you have to, uh, someone at that school that will make sure that kids, the students stay on track, and that the military itself is uh, very much connected with the school. Uh, there are 14 states that have this um, mm -hmm. range from uh, South Dakota, Tennessee, um, Nevada, the East Coast, the South, et cetera. And so we're hoping that we will add Maryland to that list as well. Roger that. I'm excited about that. And it's, that's big in, in Southern Maryland, considering all of our military installations down here. Um, Within the state, there are about 11 major ones. Roger that. Okay. So definitely important for us. Um, you also presented a HB 1060 um, for an alteration to uh, for your Board of Education in Charles County. The public school board representation. Now, I have said to many people who were alarmist, alarmist about the legislation that is a cross file, which means that Senator Ellis has it on the Senate side and I have it on the House side. Um, because there were so many suggestions, uh, there will be multiple modifications or amendments. But in essence, this is what it will uh, prove or suggest. The legislation would provide that of the seven member board of education, that, that at least 
one member will be from each district. There are four commissioner districts and then three uh, seats would be at large. Why is that necessary? Uh, of, the of the seven board members, four of them live in district one, two of them live in district two, one person lives in district three and zero in district four. And while we represent everyone, I served on school board for 12 years, I realized that. But the reality of it is you do need an advocate for you. And so in district four, which is in Waldorf, you, you should have one member from that district. And, and uh, you have, you know, it's only one, pretty much what's going on in St. Mary's. You're asking for the same thing. The other is that there should be a term limit. I served 12 years, that's a long time. With members who have served or will be serving at the end of next year, 20 years, that's Ooh. long. Another 12 or 13 years, you must have an infusion of fresh new ideas, I feel. And so a term limit of two terms, which is eight years, is what I'm proposing, a term limit there. And then, Students have been just like this young lady, Sydney. They are smart. They are smart. And so the young students are asking for a voice. There are multiple counties Howard County, Baltimore County, Anne Arundel County, uh, Prince George's County, where they have student members who have a vote. Now they're excluded from voting on personnel, budget, sensitive issues. You exclude them. You say you can't vote on these matters, but you can vote on other things that impact them. You talk about leadership and pairing for the future. I think uh, to give them that voice is, is surely a way of doing it, proving that you're doing it. Otherwise, you're just providing lip service. And so the modification for uh, 1060, uh, the final bill has not come out yet, but that in essence, what I've just said is what the the intention of the bill is. Roger that. It has been heard. But <laughs> the amendments are being worked out. Okay. Uh, the amendments are being worked out. Okay. Roger that. Um, this this session has been uh, 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 an interesting one, like you mentioned before. Um, our speaker, your speaker. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, Delegate Adrian Jones, uh, mm -hmm. Speaker. Do oh, do I say Speaker, Madam Speaker? Yes, <laughs> Madam. I, I, I just now just hear hear the guy saying Madam Speaker before all the all the votes. Say like, hey, roll call, Madam Speaker. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> all right. So she has the she's presented um, a black agenda. Um, yes. And can you tell us about? Uh, ab about the, the Black agenda and tell us about the progress of the bills that fall under. Well, I, I'm going to say, you know, she made history uh, around the, the nation yes, her election. As I said before, for, for myself, uh, there never been a person of color, and certainly that's true with, uh, with the speaker. If you look around the room, it's, they're all males. And so at the death, following the death of Speaker Bush, a year and a half ago, she was elected in um, 2019 to complete that term and then uh, re-elected last year and this year as well. Um, she has made it, 
She, she met with local, state, and uh, national leaders uh, to make sure how can we help uh, all of our, um, how can we have a comprehensive approach to racism? She's very realistic. And if you, if you hadn't realized this was, uh, we were experiencing racism the past year, certainly brought it to the forefront. And so what she had was, I think it's called 2021 Racial and Economic Agenda. And um, she, they focus on certain issues as it relates to housing, as it relates to economic development, uh, health issues, et cetera. And so there were several, and I encourage you, the listeners, to go on, on online and put it in. Um, 2021 Black Agenda Speaker Adrian Jones. But what has happened is um, to accompany her agenda, there were several bills put into place and uh, to support it because it's, it's really of little essence to have an agenda without having the, the power behind it. And so um, let me digress for a minute to say that the HBCU uh, uh, bill that was vetoed by Governor Hogan last term or last year, we could not override that veto because they had some um, end dates that had to be done by December 20, uh, 2020. And so there was a new bill that uh, the speaker introduced. It's called HBCU for Life. That was new legislation and that was voted on to give uh, $580 million to our four HBCUs in the state of Maryland. Uh, and so that was a major milestone. But in terms of what is her agenda? It is, again, there were several bills. Um, HB, well, I won't give the numbers because it's nothing, but as I said before, they cover health, uh, care, equity, I'm making sure that banks provide opportunities for people to get loans. Uh, it looks at housing opportunities. And so the full gamut of raising awareness and, and giving a credence to erasing racism that currently exists and providing uh, a fair playing field for all that are involved. Roger that. We're excited to, uh, to follow those through. And we're excited about all of the work that you all are doing down there in Annapolis. This has been the closest I've watched Annapolis <laughs> since I've been involved in things here in Maryland. And um, I can't, I, you, you all are doing a lot of work. It's a lot of work in a short period of time. Yeah. So thank you for all of the work that you do. Thank you for your time today. And um, feel free to uh, reach out to us if you'd like to come back and speak to the people of St. Mary's County, uh, because we, we definitely would enjoy to have a follow-up conversation. Well, thank you. And thank you for your support of HB 655. Thank you. And for all you do. <laughs> thank you, Mel. All right, Adrian. Well, I am going to pull Sydney back up if she's still here and still listening. <laughs> um, she wanted to go hang out with her friends. 
Yeah, she might be, but I'll <laughs> if I see her pop back up, then I'll go ahead and put her in. Um, but I did want to acknowledge uh, before we start the what you're sipping on section that Sydney actually received the Trailblazer NAACP award yesterday oh. from Charles County NAACP. So I didn't want to let things get away without um, giving her her accolades for the Trailblazer Award from Charles County NAACP 7016, right? Roger that. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, this is a light sec a segment and we talk about what you're sipping on. And this is kind of like our water cooler conversation, Delegate Alan Patterson. And so the what I wanted to talk about is, first of all, we have to say our our. Um, our segment is sponsored by, thanks for reminding me, VJ. Sangar Rum. Sangar Rum. Thank you. Thank you. It's a product produced out of Liberia. So we got an African rum out here. It's, it's dope. Yes. So if you're not familiar with what you're sipping on, um, it is a play on words where Sunday in the park. And so S-I-P. And we use this time to actually promote and highlight some of our local businesses or uh, in the area. And so what you're sipping on is this. Why is February, and you all know what I'm going to say, the shortest month. Why is February the shortest month? Where did that come from? Where did that happen? Well, first, let me just say this. I know what my, I, I, I'm a little bit upset that February is the, is up to the 28th day, it needs to be the 30th, but I'll ask everybody else what they feel about it. But I just went and checked on, that's some little history. I went to Britannica. They still make Britannica? Yes, there's Britannica. <laughs> and Britannica said that it was actually something that was created for the Gregorian calendar to make it fully in sync for the lunar year by this Roman king, and his name was Numa Pompilus. I think that's how you pronounce it. And so we actually added in January and February after they had already had the 10 month calendar. So he wanted to avoid even, he had a thing for even numbers. He didn't like even numbers. So he wanted to avoid even numbers. So it was like a superstition at the time that he held that even numbers were unlucky. So he subtracted a day from each of the 30 days of a month to make 29. And then they went on to um, choose February as a month that would be host would host Roman rituals honoring honoring the dead and unlucky months consisting of 28. Well, when they finished revising the calendar, they actually um, you know, got some dates that were even number even numbers so 30, 31. But they kept January where it was. They didn't leave you know do anything with January. I mean, I'm sorry, February. So saying all that to say, <laughs> what do you all think about this? I, I really think that we should just take May because May has what? Let me do my let me do my calendar. 30 days has September, April, June and November. All the rest have 31. OK, so May has 31. August has 30. We can just take a day off of them. And we can get this February 2.0 going. Now, what do you all think? I mean, maybe I'm maybe it's too much, but February, I'm tired of February. They're not being equitable here. February needs to have equal rights and fair rights. It's every other month. We need to get with getting them a 30 days at least. So what do you think? <laughs> well, Delegate Patterson, you, you have any thoughts on that? 
Well, yes, I think that black history is everyday history. And so 365 days. In fact, uh, Delegate uh, C.T. Wilson had has a bill in um, that more or less expands on that, that black history or African-American history be ex ex expanded into our curriculum. So mm -hmm. it's just a mindset, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and we have to pass it down to onto our children and make that what one of my colleagues said used to say always say, isn't that so? So black history <laughs> every day of the week, isn't that so? Isn't that so? <laughs> I like that. Isn't that so? <laughs> I, I totally agree. Um, it's definitely every every day of the week, every week of the year, well, every week of every month, every month of the year. But <clears throat> I think we need to move Black History Month. I, I don't think I don't think we need to be celebrating this thing in the cold. So every time, like, and and if I could, I would move Martin Luther King's birthday because every time I go to one of those breakfasts down at St. Mary's College, it's two degrees outside, and I am never in the proper attire. It's like I don't like wearing long johns under my suit. I just want to go somewhere and celebrate the king. That's all. It's like, so if we could just move Martin Luther King's birthday and Black History Month and put them in the summertime, somewhere around Juneteenth. Juneteenth. I'm just saying we move, we move Jesus' birthday, so we might as well move the kings as well. You know, it's like everybody can get it. Everybody can get it. So <laughs> that is funny. I mean, hey, well, it's all year round, so maybe you know we we just do something all year round. Oh, I wish anyway. But you know, <laughs> what I really appreciate is uh, having uh, unusual facts about African Americans, and uh, e there there are enough unusual facts, or little known facts. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but you can start it here. Sunday in the park, you know, you can certainly start that here. And you've already yeah. done it. Well, there you go. That's how we solve it. That's great. I didn't think of it that way. I know, right? <laughs> Celebrate it here with us. Right. right. <laughs> Roger that. Well, thanks again for your time. Yes, um, absolutely. And we're, we're going to shut it down now. Um, next week, we're off. And then I think it was it the 14th. We're supposed to have Delegate Matt Morgan. So excited about that one. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. So everybody be safe. Yes, be safe. And thank you so much. You all have. Um, and February is going into the next two days. Yeah. So. Keep posting your, your Black History Nuggets. Tomorrow is February 29th. And and, and th Tuesday is, is February 30th. Just letting y'all know. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Thank you. Bye.